this is Cordelia on the We Heal Together podcast. Happy Monday. Today's episode is about the need to be right. And then I'm going to go through 17 tips to kind of move away, step back from that need to be right. So thanks again for joining me and let's get healing. again for joining me this week and guys so I don't know if you can tell or not but uh, this is the first podcast episode that I'm recording on my new podcasting equipment so my new microphone um, preamp and yeah I'm really really excited I actually had already recorded this podcast on my old mic and then the stuff came in and I got really excited and I was like you know what whatever I'm just gonna redo the whole thing so super excited if you guys listen to this I would love to hear your feedback about the quality of the sound and if you hear a difference or anything like that I would love it all right so this episode I'm going to be talking about the need to be right as well as I'm going to dig into 17 tips to try to work on in your own lives, stepping away and kind of toning down that need to be right. So I just wanted to start off and say this episode in particular is covering a topic that I have been personally working on in my own life in general. I mean, so many people that have even reached out to me in this community on my Instagram page, as well as listeners of this podcast, this is something that people tend to struggle with. And it's a human, you're a human being, and it's pretty likely that you've come across this. For me, I feel like, of course, I'm a human, so... On a general level, I, sh- I have struggled with this as well. But as you know, or maybe you don't know, and this is your first time listening, I am also an attorney. So little background, I have a bachelor's in psychology, but then I also went on to get a Juris Doctor, and I am an attorney. I still practice as an attorney by day. I'm licensed in two states, and I've been practicing for over five years. So what that means is I went through three years of law school, and then I've been practicing now for over five years. So that's over eight years, basically, (laughs) where the whole purpose of that field is to advocate for whatever side you're on. And so even though I'm in an in-house role now, I previously was a prosecutor, and even in my in-house role now, I have, I still have clients that I advocate for, and, you know, that's what my whole day tends to be involved with. It tends to be involved with 
needing to be right and presenting to a judge, presenting to opposing counsel, hey, this is why I'm right, presenting to a jury, this is the reasons I'm right and this is the reason that this person is wrong and that's just part of the job. And so I've personally become, I became pretty aware that this was something that it was starting to kind of seep over more into my personal life. And I, ha- I acknowledged and I'm like, okay, Cordelia, this is not how I want to live my life. <laughs> like, I want to be able to tone this back. I want to work on this. And so I'm really proud of myself for the strides I've made in this area, but I also acknowledge that I still have a lot of room to grow and I still have areas that I need to improve on. But I just kind of wanted to open my heart and share that with you and be, you know, vulnerable with you that this is an episode that actually means a lot to me. So I want to start us off with my favorite thing that I came across in researching some background stuff for this episode. This is from an article that I found by Judith Glasser. Again, if you are new to the podcast or if you forgot, I always put the citations in my show notes. So if you're ever interested in an article I mentioned, check out the show notes. Um, So in this article, she basically lays out how we get addicted to being right. And I'm just going to read what she says. So she says, in situations of high stress, fear, or distrust, the hormone and neurotransmitter cortisol floods the brain. So then she tells us that executive functions that help us with advanced thought processes like strategy or trust building or showing compassion, those all shut down. And then the amygdala, our instinctive part of the brain, that takes over. So then the body makes a chemical choice about how to protect itself. In this case, it's protecting itself from shame and loss of power associated with being wrong. So as a result, it becomes really unable to regulate its emotions or handle the gaps between expectation and reality. This leads us to defaulting to one of four responses, she says. One, fight. So that would be keeping and arguing that point. Number two would be flight, revert to, or hide behind a group's consensus. Number three, freeze. So that would be disengaging from the argument completely or just shutting down and being quiet. Or number four, that would just be appeasing. So just making nice to your adversary by agreeing with them. She goes on to tell us, when you argue and you win, your brain floods with different hormones, adrenaline and dopamine. And that makes you feel good, dominant, and even invincible. And so you get addicted to being right. 
your brain wants to replicate that feeling. So I wanted to start there because I really like, I like understanding the science behind like, okay, it's human nature, but why is it human nature? Like, why is this something that is so common for so many people? And I wanted you guys to have that knowledge as well. This episode in general, in this whole topic of needing to be right, it is. It's human nature. It's universal. It's something that so many people can recognize. You know, it's something so many people can connect with you on and share a similar experience on. So this is not meant to tell you that if you need to, if you have this experience where you're feeling like you need to be right, you are totally nuts, there's something wrong with you, and this is just craziness. Like, no, you're actually pretty normal if you've experienced this. The issue is not the feeling, the need to be right. It comes from the reaction. It comes from the ability of how you respond, the ability to regulate your emotional response to the feeling of needing to be right. So needing to be right is not the issue. It is when you feel, you get this feeling inside of you that you need to be right in a moment, and then that serves as a trigger for you doubling down on emotionally reactive behavior and toxic behaviors. I want to define two terms from the get-go, emotional reactivity and emotional regulation. Emotional reactivity refers to the tendency to experience frequent and intense emotional arousal. Emotional regulation involves the process of initiating, maintaining, or modulating the occurrence, intensity, or duration of internal feelings and emotion-related physiological processes. There is a link in the show notes to the study that I got this definition from, and it is, it's all there if you want to pull it up and look at that study as well. So what we want to do is we want to stop looking at our emotions as something that we can't control, there's nothing that we can do about, and instead look at this, look at our emotions as an opportunity to, okay, become aware of triggers, become aware that there's this feeling that exists inside of you and show it as, or see it, I guess, as this chance to make yourself a little bit better. So where is this drive, where does it tend to come from, this need to be right? It can come from distorted thinking. So I've done, you know, podcast episodes about that where somebody may be thinking something like, if I'm wrong, I'm a failure. I'm worthless. 
another place that this can come from is you may have grown up in a abusive or a dysfunctional family where you know you're surrounded by people who told you who were gaslighting you and telling you that you were wrong all the time and you weren't wrong and it this could essentially be a defense mechanism that was that has kind of bore from those old wounds that is now you're not even really like caring about being right in the actual conversation, but you're really this other part of you is being triggered. The same thing, this could originate from being in any kind of abusive relationship. After you get out of that, you know, if, especially if you had been gaslighted by somebody for a very long time or told that, you know, th- that you're wrong all the time, it could be really hard. And b- basically, you could be projecting based on these old traumatic experiences that you've gone through. And the need to be right is really just this old protective pattern at this point. And now that you're no longer in that environment, like your body doesn't necessarily understand that because it's like, hey, this is how I protected you before. And it's continuing to do that, but it's outdated at this point. This can also come from society, like the cultural influence in general in 2020, where that just seems to be the norm these days. Everybody seems to care more about being right than connecting. Another place this can come from is just mental health issues in general. So depression, anxiety, where the need to be right is really stemming from this sense of security in this skewed, irrational sense of the world where you think, okay, if I'm right, if I check all these boxes, then that means I'm in a good spot. And especially for people with anxiety, that can kind of keep you calm. It can give you a sense of stability by knowing that you're right. So why is this episode important? Why did I do it? few quick reasons. Number one, I think it's really important for those of you who want to live a more authentic life and you want to connect with people and share a life with other people. This is a really important skill. It's essential to be able to do this because otherwise people aren't going to want to talk to you. (laughs) People are going to be like, uh, okay, Cordelia, that's fine. You always just tell me I'm wrong and why would I ever want to share that with you? It's really important to learn this. Number two, emotionally mature people have flexible thinking. They have flexible ways of thinking. They are able to see different perspectives. Number three, 
emotionally mature people are able to say, I never considered that before. Thanks for sharing that with me. That was really cool. And number four, I did this for anybody who has kids out there who, you know, they're trying their best to do parenting. I'm giving you props for listening to this podcast. And even though I am not a parent myself, I have parents and I can tell you as a human being, if you are a parent, this is an amazing skill to develop. It is so meaningful and I think your kid's life would be better for it if you could develop this skill at any point no matter how far you are in or how early you are in your parenting venture, <laughs> if you're able to really be able to see your kid eye to eye and set your ego aside and just say, like, wow, that's incredible. I've never, I had never considered that. You're right, actually. Do you know how huge that would be? Like, I I can't even imagine. I feel like that would just be so powerful to have a parent that is capable of doing that from an early age that's, you know, able to just sit down next to your kid and able to be wrong. And then also modeling that behavior to your child, breaking that cycle and showing your kid, like, look, it's cool. It's it's cool. I'm a parent. I'm an adult. And I'm admitting that I'm wrong. You know, that would take, it would just be interesting to see how easy it would likely be for that child when they grow up to admit when they're wrong. So I found some pretty cool lists online written by a lady named Lynn. I believe you pronounce it Namka, N-A-M-K-A. I'm going to put the full link in the show notes, so I'm not going to read them all on the podcast, Um, but if you want to take a look at those lists later, this could be helpful for you. I will read a few um, just to have them in your mind. So these are the characteristics she lists for people who tend to have this more rigid style of thinking and tend to err on reacting when they feel that need to be right. So some examples are an inability to say I was wrong or I don't know, feeling threatened when new ideas come to mind, preoccupied with winning the approval of others, priding yourself at being rational and logical, feeling threatened when you know, you're being seen as wrong, judging others harshly that disagree with you, feeling embarrassed about admitting I was wrong or I don't know, even to yourself. So those are just some examples, the full list. It's in the show notes, so check those out if you want. All right, friends, let's get into the tip portion. So I'm going to go through 17 Oh my gosh, 17. <laughs> um, 17 tips on how to work on this. 
Number one, being conscious of it. That's easy enough, right? In order to change something, in order to work on something, we got to be aware of it. We got to know what's going on. This requires admitting to yourself, like, okay, I'm starting to get an attitude. I'm starting to get really hyped up. My heart rate is beating really fast and I'm feeling like um, I'm about to show this person just how wrong they are. You know, become aware of that. Number two, observe your emotions. So acknowledge the emotion that you're feeling without judgment and be able to just sit with that emotion Try standing back from it. Try, try feeling the emotion and just letting it sit there and accept it. Number three, practice being a better listener. I know in my personal experience, when I'm feeling that need to be right, that usually means I've stopped listening and I'm already, I'm in my head and I'm trying to think about the next thing I'm going to say. And I'm not listening to what the other person is saying at all. So, and that only kind of gets you hyped up more. You know what I mean? Because all of a sudden, you're not listening to what the other person's saying. And you've got this little hype man in your head that's like, oh, no, I just remembered this and this. And this is what I'm going to say next. Like, this really goes hand in hand of sitting with your emotion Because you're really trying to focus on listening to what the other person's saying. If you think you're right, you're likely trying to like prove the other person's wrong. And you've likely already shut them out. And by listening and actually leaning in and connecting with the other person, this is going to produce another brain chemical to counteract the ones we talked about earlier. So another chemical that's equally as addicting as the ones we talked about before is oxytocin. And that is spurred by human connection. And that can open up the prefrontal cortex. So to combat that instinctive part of our brains, that we talked about in the beginning of the episode. A good counter to that is listening, leaning in, and connecting with that other person. Number four, I'm going to challenge you to ask yourself when you feel yourself getting all kind of hyped and going down this road, ask yourself, what am I afraid of? How, what am I feeling about being wrong. What does that mean to me if I'm wrong? What do I think other people are going to think of me if I'm wrong? And whatever your answer is, I want you to challenge it. So if you're thinking, that means I'm stupid. Okay, I want you to actually think about that. Like, is that really what it means? Do you believe that about yourself? Is that true about you? How many other ways are you smart? So dig into the why. Number five, 
I want you to think about, I don't care if you do this in front of a mirror, if you pull out your phone and just like write it down, write down a list, or if you write out a journal or type yourself an email and send it to yourself, doesn't matter. But I want you to write out a list of things that you don't know anything about, or you don't know much about it. So, you know, I was trying to think of stuff I don't really know much about when I was making this podcast, and I have no idea what the hell goes on inside a dishwasher. I don't know. I don't understand it. (laughs) I don't. I don't really. I'm not great at maps. I don't understand, like, when somebody tells me to go north or south. Very confused. Don't like it. Never has clicked for me. There's so many cultures and different things that I have no clue about there I mean even in areas of law or psychology like things that I got my degree in I there's stuff that I I don't know like I've never practiced patent law I wouldn't know anything about that I the reason I say this is challenge yourself like make a list of stuff you don't know about because it's really it's a good practice to start admitting like I don't know these things and that's okay and it's good practice in admitting like that that's cool the school that I don't know this stuff number six actually take time to reflect on these things when they come up so when you do experience a thought or you know, you give in and you fight somebody and you stick to your guns about being right. When you walk away from it, at least try to learn from it and write down one or two sentences, again, either in your phone or on a sheet of paper, just, okay, what was my thought? What was my emotion? What was I feeling? How did I choose to react? What was I feeling physically? And try to reflect on it. Number seven, look for opportunities to practice. And again, this would depend, I mean, it's going to depend on where you are in working on this skill. So if you're just starting out, it might take all of you to just sit there and nod. And then as you build up that skill a little bit more, then you might progress where you get to the point where you say, thanks for sharing your perspective, or you're able to kind of contribute. And oh my goodness, you might even get to the point where you're able to actually take in what the other person says and change your whole perspective. And you might be able to say back to somebody one day, hey, actually, you just changed my entire perspective on this. Like, I had never even thought about that. Thanks so much for that. But you're not going to get there unless you practice, right? So just take some baby steps. Number eight, go into conversations thinking, hey, I just want to connect with this person and talk about this and turn away from trying to persuade others. Number nine, Reevaluate your values. So try living in line with your values, and that means being able to 
pause in conversations and think, okay, what am I doing here? Like, what do I care more about? Being right or living a life where I'm connecting and being authentic and sharing my life with others and being open-minded? And so just taking a second to remember what our values are is really important. Number 10, try a technique called STOP. S-T-O-P-P. A worksheet is in the show notes, but the way that it goes is S stands for stop, so pause. T stands for take a breath. O, observe. Describe your feelings, images, thoughts, body sensation, triggers. P, pull back. Put in some perspective. What's the bigger picture? Try to take a helicopter view. And look and ask yourself things like, is this fact? Is this opinion? How would somebody else see this? Is there another way I can look at this? And last P, practice what works. What's the best thing to do right now for yourself, for others, and for the situation? Number 11, this is also in the worksheets and in the show notes. It's called What Zone Am I In? And I found this and it's really cool for regulating your emotions. So you first kind of identify what zone you're in and the worksheet is structured like green, yellow, red, blue. And the goal is to get to green, which associates with being calm and being okay and things like that. And then it gives some tools to get to the green zone. So taking deep breaths, counting to 10, asking to take a walk. This is a nice little screenshot that you can just have on your phone, have on hand to practice cooling those triggered parts of your brain, taking a breath and regulating your emotions. Number 12, especially in the beginning, practice doing the opposite, exact opposite of your emotional urges. So those urges that are getting automatically triggered, the ones that have been getting you into trouble, those are being triggered, probably a good idea to not do them. 13, practice staying in the present, staying in the here and now. You know, do what you can if you need to kind of focus on your bodily sensations, like wiggling your fingers, taking deep breaths. Staying in the present. Again, that keeps you from hyping yourself up more. (laughs) Keeps you from going to that space in your head with your inner hype person that's like, come on, no, we got to prove them that I'm right. Number 14, I put two workbooks in the show notes that I personally would recommend. And one is DBT skills. The other is self-esteem workbook. The DBT skills is the one that I would most recommend to work on this because it involves a lot of emotional regulation. In the self-esteem workbook, I would recommend that if you're struggling more with those cognitive distortions and, you know, problematic ways of thinking. Those are two really good workbooks who, I promise, they have no idea exist. They're not giving me money for this. There's generally good workbooks. I have them, and they've really helped me a lot. 
15, be compassionate with yourself through this process. Tell yourself, hey, I know this is really hard. This is frustrating. I might not be doing this perfect and I might not ever get it perfect. But I learned this at some point when my body was trying to protect me. And I really believe in myself and I believe I have the power to at least improve this area a little bit. So I'm going to keep trying. 16, practice giving things time and space, especially when you feel the need to be right about something. That's probably a really good signal to take a break from the conversation, even if it's just for an hour or even if you just decide, hey, can we table this and talk about it tomorrow? Number 17, if you find yourself in a position where you are trying to convince the other person to join your side, or maybe the other person is trying to convince you of the same thing, try asking, hey, is there anything I could actually do that would change your mind? Or if the other person's doing it to you, you could say, hey, you know what, there's actually, I'm not going to change my mind on this. There's nothing that you could say that would make me change my mind. Because when we get to that point, that there's no reason, I mean, if, if you've been going into this conversation with this mindset, is what I'm talking about, of where you want to be right, that's a good check-in question <laughs> to kind of bring you back down to earth to be like, okay, why the heck are we talking about this? Awesome. I put worksheets in the show notes. All my citations are in the show notes as well. And then those workbook recommendations are there if you want those. A new podcast comes out every single Monday. Woo! <laughs> so, so excited. Um, there'll be a new, new podcast next Monday. Like I said, this is my new microphone and podcasting equipment that I recorded on this week. So I'm really, really excited about that. If you don't know, I published a 98-page workbook Link is in the show notes for that as well. It's available in print or, or ebook, and it's available worldwide. So you can, you know, wherever you are, you're able to order it. And it's for people going through a divorce or a breakup. The other thing that's in the show notes, I, in October, launched two Zoom community things. <laughs> And they've actually been really awesome. So one is just community hangs. They are once a month and we Zoom and there's people from all over. It's been really cool. We did one in October and November. I'm on those as well. And then there is a book club. We read one book a month and then we have one meeting on Zoom a month. This month we are doing Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. And then I know that we just picked the January book. So the way I do the books is I do a poll in the Patreon and people vote on what book they want to read. January's, January's book is Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. Really excited about that one too. So if you want to join those, the links are in the bio. And of course, if you like my content, please follow me on Instagram. My Instagram is at codependentrecovery. 
lots of similar content on there. And I would really appreciate it if you listen to the podcast um, and you're listening on a platform that's able to do reviews. If you would leave my podcast a review, I would appreciate that and subscribe. As always, I always so much appreciate all of you guys. I appreciate everybody that sends me so many kind words and you guys brighten my day. You really do. And I appreciate all of you that have shared my podcast with other people. You've shared my page with other people. So, so incredible. I mean, really, you guys are freaking awesome. I hope you have an amazing week and I'll see you next Monday. Bye.